Well, good morning. Thanks to our team for leading us. What a just beautiful time to worship. What a beautiful time to worship. Well, my name's Jason, one of the pastors here at Community Church, and I'm delighted that each one of you is here today. Wherever you are in your walk, wherever you are in your journey of faith, I'm really glad that you're here this morning. We invite you to pray with me as we dig into the Word. Father, we thank you. Oh, do we thank you for your goodness to us, your love, your mercy, your grace, that we can come to you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and give you the glory that you deserve. Lord, help us now with whatever we bring into this place this morning. We want our lives to be shaped by you, shaped by your words to us. I ask now that my words are clear, they're helpful, and above all, they bring you glory and honor. Burn off whatever doesn't do those things. Holy Spirit, we beg of you this morning, be our teacher, instruct us. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Question for you this morning as we dig in together is what gives your life structure? What is it that give your, gives your life structure? First of all, how many of you are like super organized, structured people? You like that. You crave the structure. How many of you are like free floating, just kind of go with the flow folks? We're all somewhere on that continuum. Jesus loves us all, regardless of how structured we are. However, there is a particular structure of the word that shapes us. But I want to invite you to consider this morning, what is it that structures your life? Maybe for some of you, it's your job. It's your school. For lots of years, I was a school teacher and football coach and all that, and my my life was structured by bells and breaks. That's just what it was. Bells and breaks. And, and the routine. Monday was this, Tuesday was this, Wednesday was this, Thursday was this, Friday was this, Saturday, Sunday, rinse, repeat over and over again. Some of you, that's your life. You get that. Some of you, maybe your lives are structured by, maybe you're in a season where it's, it's doctor's appointments. That's what structures your life. Maybe for some of you, you're at the stage where it's like baby sleeping and feeding, wake windows. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you don't. All that kind of stuff. Had the grandbabies a couple days this week, and it's structured around when you get the meals, when you get the bottles, when you take the nap, when you play with Play-Doh, when you go for a nature walk, when you play with rescue heroes, whatever it is. What is that structure of your life? What is it that structures? Others of you, you know, it's, it's, what do you watch? When do you go on vacation? When, when's the weekend coming? For others of you, it's, it's your exercise, it's your workouts, it's your meals. We all have things that structure us, that give us some order. But I would invite you to think even a little bit deeper this morning 
in addition to all those things, what is it that structures your thinking? What is it that guides the way you think? What is it that actually structures and gives shape to your desires, to what you seek? What is that for you this morning? Not simply what do you want others to see in you, but what is reality for you this morning as you walk into this place? What structures your yeses and your noes? What structures how you will spend the majority of your time? And as we sit here under the authority of the Word this morning, what role does the Word of God itself play for you in that structure? If you've been with us the last few weeks, you know that we've been in a series called Made to Flourish. We started in Psalm 1 and we looked at this, this picture of flourishing that comes from the first psalm that talks about the person who meditates and delights on the law or the word of God is like a tree planted by streams of water. And that's, the, that's a picture of flourishing. And we spent the last couple weeks looking at that root system, the root system of our attachment to God, our connection to God, our connection to other people. And how that gives us really an attachment that anchors us. And it's also that which kind of absorbs nutrients that can then feed us. Well, this morning we're going to continue with this picture of the tree. We're going to continue with this metaphor of flourishing. And we're going to look at that, that trunk and these branches that give us structure. They give us this, that, that structure, not just our, our habits, not just our calendars, but actually the way that we think. That actually structures our desires, our habits. It's all connected. So in this series, it, it, in some ways, it, we're going back and we're hitting some of the same themes from a different point of view, but it is a cumulative series. We are building, we're trying to build systems that God has given us so that we can flourish. So as we consider these things this morning, I would ask you some other questions at the beginning here as you think about the Word of God and its role in your life. A few weeks ago, use a quick metaphor of your operating system versus an app. I said, is Jesus your operating system or just an app? In other words, when you, when you, the first thing you turn on, everything runs through it. It's that which connects you. That's what an operating system does versus an app that's just kind of one of many things. So is the Word of God more operating system or more app for you? Or if it's an app, is it at least on your home screen? Or is it just one of those other things 
on page four or five or whatever of your phone or just in your library only. Where is the Word of God for you this morning? Is the Word of God like a staple of your diet or is it just a supplement? Is it just a nice add-on or is it the thing that gives you your primary nourishment? Where is that for you this morning? And what do you want it to actually be? Well, these are all great questions, and the good news is we have answers in God's Word. And I want to take you to uh, the longest psalm of the Bible, Psalm 119. I'm going to read it in its entirety in English and Hebrew. Just kidding. We're just going to take a look at a couple couple stanzas, a couple sections of it, but I believe they're, they're going to outline and really answer some of the fundamental questions that can help us as we build this structure in our lives. Take you to Psalm 119, verse 1. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways are st- were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. Continuing in verse 9, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statues as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Structure I'd invite us to follow this morning as we look at our own structure and look at how the word shapes us. There's some fundamental questions that I believe the psalm is going to answer for us. Then we're going to look at some tests that say, how are we actually doing in this? And then want to give some practices that we can implement. Because here's the deal with structure in the word you got to do it. You can't just hear about it. We need to put these things into practice. Amen? So wherever you are, let's all leave today with something we can do. All right? And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about specifics of that. The first question to answer, what is the word? What is the word? I want to give you this statement that uh, really it's, it's just a way of thinking about it, but it's more than the commandments, but not less than the commandments. It's more than the commandments, but not less than the commandments. Here's what I mean by that. If you go through these verses, you'll see words like law, statutes, ways, precepts, decrees, word, 
We could be really sophisticated and split hairs and talk about how all those are different, but I think they're actually pretty much synonyms. And I want to summarize it by the Word of God. So what is, what is the Word? Well, it's more than the commandments, but not less than the commandments. How many of you just love rules? Sometimes when you hear the word, all these types of words, you simply think of a list of rules. There are rules in the Bible, absolutely, and we'll talk about those, but I want you to think more in terms of standards that define our relationship to God. That's how I want you to to view this. What are the what are the standards that define our relationship to God and then by extension to others? Take you to Luke 10, 26 to 27. What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? Jesus is in this conversation with a young lawyer and he's trying to figure out, you know, what, what do I do to in, inherit eternal life. How do I figure out what's most important? What do I actually do? And Jesus answered, verse 27, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the very heart of God. Jesus will sum up the commandments of God by our vertical love for God and our horizontal love for one another. Now, that sounds wonderful. Big picture people are out there, you'd love this. Don't just give me all the little, little rules. Give me the big picture summary and let me apply it. Yes, yes, and yes. There's love at the very core of who God is. Jesus is also very clear on the commandments, though. He is summarizing the law. He's going to look back to the Ten Commandments. And if you read the Sermon on the Mount, you'll you'll see how he'll take those commandments, and it's not just the act itself, but it's the attitude underneath that he will also look at. But when you look at those Ten Commandments, no other gods before me, no idols, don't use the Lord's name in vain, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Those first four commandments have to do with the way that we love God, that relationship with God. We go back to that root system, our connection to God. And then five through ten, you know, honor your parents. Don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't covet. It's a very short summary, but all those things still apply. When Jesus came, he came to fulfill the law, not to take it away. So sometimes when we talk about love, we have such a generic, broad definition of love, we forget the concrete commandments that Jesus gives us that are there and they're clear and the bar is high. Now, that's what the Word is. Now, how does the Word shape us? How does the Word actually 
shape us. I believe it structures and aligns our whole self. Our whole self. Let's look at a few verses here. Verse 7. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. And then verse 9. How can a young man stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. We could, we're going to look at just a few of these verses. You could go throughout the whole psalm, though, and you're going to see the full engagement of the whole self that we're talking about here. It's our mind, it's our thinking, it's our learning. So, hey, where, where are my readers out there? You just like to learn. And that's your go-to. You, you got an issue, just, I want to learn more. Just give me more knowledge. Is that a good thing? Absolutely. It's not the only thing, though. It's not the only thing. There's also obeying, actually doing things. Where are my action people? Just, just let me go do. Okay? I'm going I'm to talk a, a, a lot about kind of some, some internal stuff, some heart stuff. And some of you, the, the thing that you heard already this morning is that we're going to have a serve call-out meeting afterwards. And that's what I really want to do. I just want to serve. That's great. Okay. So, some of us who, who lean on the just give me another book to read, we got to be challenged to go do. Teaching the Word of God to some fourth and fifth graders might be your next step. Okay. Wh- whatever that might be. But, but there's, a, there's a giving of oneself that's all part of this process. Now, the other part of this, though, I will praise you with an upright heart. Where does praise come from? Praise is deep within. Praise is what you worship, you honor. There's... Some of you are like, like, like this, and it's just natural. I mean, you're... you're you're created to worship, you're just overflow, and, and others of us are kind of more like this. Except maybe when we're watching a football game or something. I don't, I don't know how that works sometimes, you know, but what's got your heart? What, what captures your emotions? Your whole self. So when you look at those three, and I've given it really complicated terms, what we do, what we think, and what we seek... All of those matter. How do we align those? How do we get those all on the same page? How, how does the Word of God shape us so that it's not just our, we're not just trying harder to do good things. We're not simply learning more. But we have a relationship with the living God who is fueling us, who is supplying us, who is giving us what we need. We're all wired a little bit differently. We all have our own struggles. We're all called to have our thinking, our doing, and our seeking aligned. 
Anybody feel overwhelmed and busy? Anybody not? <laughs> Maybe that's the question. I don't know about you, but I actually, when it comes down to it, I do the things I really want to do. I actually do the things that I want to do. What I actually do when I have choice is a function of what my desires really are. So how do we get those aligned? I love the way Dallas Willard puts it when he talks about maturity, and I've referenced this before, but I just think it's so powerful, but uh, spiritual maturity is to do effortlessly what Jesus would do if he were in your shoes. So what that means is everything is aligned, so it's a as we grow in Christ, as we grow in our faith, as we're shaped by the Word of God, it's just natural overflow more and more of what we do. It's not always such a struggle. I'm not there yet, I'll tell you that right now. But as we grow, those things are all in alignment more and more. Now, why does it matter? I'm going to put it really simply. Our walk with God defines our love for God. Our walk with God defines our love for God. The psalmist says this in verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What's your heart? In biblical terms, it's not just the thing that pumps blood. It's the core of who you are. It's your will, it's your decision maker, it's your, it's your spirit, it's, it's, it's the heart, it's the, the core, it's the CEO of yourself, it's the center of who you are. It's a simple verse that talks about being shaped, having your heart shaped by the word of God. Gene Peterson in his paraphrase in the message says it this way, I've banked your promises in the vault of my heart so I won't send myself bankrupt. There's a picture of emptiness in there without the word of God hidden. But I would also invite us to not lose that I might not sin against you. Hear these words of Jesus in John 14, verse 23. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. So for Jesus and, and for the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, our love and obedience are connected. They're tied together. Now we think of it Sometimes in the sense of how do I demonstrate my love through my obedience, yes. But it's also my love, my attachment that fuels my obedience. It's a both end. Jesus will say this, John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
Now, he's being asked about, you know, show us the way to the Father. You know, we, the disciples are saying, you know, where, how do we follow you? We don't get this. Jesus gives the statement, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And sometimes when you look at those three, way, truth, and life, let's look at those three for just a moment. Way, we tend to think of behavior, our obedience, the things that we do, the ways of Jesus. Do those matter? Of course they matter. We, th- we think about the truth. The truth, capital T. What is the truth that structures our life about the Bible, about Jesus, and about the nature of God, the beautiful songs that we sang? When we sing about God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that is a unique view of God by those of us who follow Jesus. Judaism, in and of itself, will have a different view. Islam will have a different view. The way we see God through the Word, our belief system, our theology, absolutely matters. We've got to get that right. But Jesus also says, I am the life. I'm the life. So he's the source. He's the one that continues to nourish us. Sometimes as as followers of Jesus, we can get in the trap of simply, I've got to learn more. Again, that's good. I've got to work hard on my behavior, fine. But what is it that's actually fueling me, supplying me, giving me the strength that I don't have? When you think about that, that trunk that gives you structure, I'm not my own strength. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. It's that Jesus is who gives us the strength. It's his word, not just the words on the page, but the word made flesh, Jesus himself, that will give us what we need. The attachment that will fuel our obedience. So as you consider those questions, what is is the Word? How does it shape us and why does it matter? I hope there's something in your heart and your mind that says, okay, yeah, I I care about that matters. If I'm going to claim to be a follower of Jesus, if I'm going to believe this is true, then I need to pay attention to these things. Now, I want to give you some tests this morning. Because here's, this is just my hunch as a pastor, just my experience. Sometimes we look at the, the, the life of following Jesus and we think of the major moments. We think of the big decisions. We think of the big, the big events. And sometimes we forget the everyday. So I would invite you to lean into the everyday for a moment and take a look at some of these tests. And what they're designed to do is to reveal how well your structure is actually working. And then how do you respond when that structure is tweaked a little bit or challenged a little bit? All right, so let me give you these tests. The first one, I'm calling it the fear factor test. Last week, 
I put a list on there. I probably went too, through it too fast. But looking at your life, is it rooted in love or is it rooted in fear? If you missed last week or, or you're like, okay, I don't remember this, go back, look at it. You can go to the app. It's got all the, the, the little tests on there. Here's the secret about the Christian life. You don't grow simply by listening to a sermon. That gets your attention, but that's just the starting point. What do you actually do with it? How do you respond? So there's some, some tests on there that say, all right, is my life rooted in fear or is it rooted in love? A couple of them I talked about. Fear always looks for a hiding place. Love shares the truth even when it's painful. Fear has to be right all the time. Love seeks to be understood. Fear says, I'm for you as long as you're for me. Fear says, or love says, I'm for you even when you're not for me. So those are a few tests. Go back, look at those. If something's like, oh, wow, that, that catches my attention, that's something to pay attention to. Now, let me give you some new ones. This one I'm going to call the crack door of freedom test. These are kind of strange and unique to me, but here they go. I've talked about my dog Charlie before, the one who's eaten four couches. It's not hyperbole. But here's Charlie. When Charlie, when when we, we take Charlie out of his kennel, he will search the house immediately for every opportunity to sin. If there's a cracked door, if it's not shut all the way, he will enter and he will chew up the toilet paper. If there's a toy out, he will go chew it. If there's any food on the stove, he will go find it. Any opportunity for any freedom, he will take advantage of. Long as he's in the kennel, long as he's on the leash, long as he's got his bone, long as all the structure is perfect, he'll be just fine. Enough time, enough freedom, and couch number five will go down. And that may be it for Charlie, I don't know. <laughs> I have so, he's teaching me grace. My wife, has so, Kim, has so much more grace for him than I do. That's too much information. Um, the next is the, so I would ask you, what, how do you respond to freedom? How do you respond? I mean, like you, you can do whatever you want to do. Nobody's going to see it. How do you respond? You know, the psalmist will talk directly to uh, how does the young person stay on the path of purity? There are unique challenges that younger folks face, but I've talked to older folk, and I am an older folk, and those, some of those challenges don't go away. They're still there. There's still battles that we face. But when you're given freedom, when that door is cracked, what do you do? How do you respond? The next one, the squeeze test. This is a classic, what comes out when you're squeezed, when things don't go your way. Can you actually pray for your enemies? Can you respond in love when things don't go the way you wanted them to? That's a, 
reflection of your alignment. Coach youth sports for years. The parents are on your case, the kids are on your case. Your kid's on the mound and he can't throw strikes to save his life. The world's closing in on you. It seems like a little thing, but it's a big thing to you. How do you, how do you respond in the moment? What is it? I mean, that's a, that's a little example. What's it look like for work when you're squeezed? What's it look like in a small group when you're squeezed? What's it, what's it look like with your neighbors when you're squeezed? What, is that, what does that look like for you? world's not getting any easier. Seems like we're getting squeezed in lots of directions, lots of tough conversations, lots of opportunity to be squeezed. How do we respond differently than the world? Next one, um, calling it the happy hour test. Some of you might laugh at that. But I was looking at the history of the happy hour. It actually started in like 1914 or something, and it was designed for sailors, a scheduled period of entertainment from the drudgery of life. It's what a happy hour. Some of you are saying it's five o'clock somewhere. But what, what is that for you? What is that scheduled hour that relieves you from the drudgery of life? What is that? Where, where do you go? The next is the head on the pillow test. I simply use this, what are your first thoughts of the morning? What are your last thoughts of the day? That reveals something about us. And then finally, the scroll test. When you're scrolling on your phone, you're scrolling on the TV, and you're you're kind of bored, and you're looking for something, where do you go? Where do you go? Where's your mind go? Now, all of these are going to say something about you, something about me, something about us, about what's the real structure in our life, what is really shaping us. Now, I don't want you to walk away and think, oh my goodness, I can never have any fun in life. He just wants us reading the Word 24-7. That wouldn't be bad. But God's given us a full life, and the life that's truly life is in him. And when we seek him first, what's Jesus say? All these other things will be given to you. The things that matter will be given to us. But there's an order of operations. There is a prioritization of that which structures our life that God's word instructs us to get right, to get right. Doesn't mean we can't have fun, doesn't mean we, we, we can't get together and, and watch games and do fun things and all that. But there is a structure and there are boundaries to what God's word has for us. So as you look at those tests, what, what does that look like for you? Where is your structure not working perhaps? Where is your structure off? And then what do we do about it? Well, let me give you three things here, three practices. One, get a Bible reading plan and follow it with somebody else. All kinds of plans. Which plan works? The one you're doing is the one that works. 
Try a new scripture meditation practice with somebody else on a prayer card. I've got a short little practice for you. A simple way to do a a, a breath prayer of scripture. I will seek you with all my heart. Simple. Ways to get that throughout your day. And then finally, memorize scripture with somebody else. Okay, we're going to talk more about these practices next week. But I want to give you some handles today that you can apply. Now, as we talk about Jesus is the word. We talk about the word of God. Jesus as John's gospel tells us, is the word made flesh, and he dwelled among us, which is a staggering thought. And this morning, we're going to come to the communion table together, and we're going to remember what Jesus, the word made flesh, did for us on the cross. We remember that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he gathered his disciples in the upper room, and he took the bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body given for you. Take, eat, do this, and remember to me. In the same way, he took the cup. He says, this cup represents my blood. Blood shed for the forgiveness of sins, blood of the new covenant. So just as we receive the bread, we receive the cup. Here at Community Church, our table's open to all who've taken a step of faith and trust in Jesus. So let me pray, and then the table will be open. Father, we Thank you for your word. We thank you that it's true. Lord, we invite your spirit to convict us, to challenge us, and to comfort us. Holy Spirit, give us what we need in these moments as we remember and we examine and we receive. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Come now. The table's open to receive.